This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, we continue here on the Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Sports Network, Bet Rivers Network YouTube channel. Jimmy Ott uh, continuing with our conference previews, and we go to the West Coast for Aaron Renning and Matt Humans. And guys, uh, the Pac-12 uh, in flux. We know the uh, uh, out off the field uh, storylines that are going, but. Um, you know, also on the field, a uh, major rebuilding, y- rebuilding job for Lincoln Riley sped up by the transfer portal. But, my goodness, only 60 healthy scholarship players after spring workouts. And Utah, uh, maybe starting uh, Charlie Brewer over Rising, may have cost him two games early and maybe an interesting decision by the college football playoff committee where a 12-1 and Pac-12 champion against an undefeated Cincinnati. But uh, sort of a... Original thoughts, opening thoughts, first of all, ER, with the Pac-12 this 2022 season. Well, I I think it'll be interesting to see how this conference rebounds because uh, it was a miserable season last year. Uh, I mean, they were uh, (laughs) – I think they are closer to uh, certainly, um, (laughs) you know, the the American Athletic, maybe the Mountain West than the uh, SEC and the Big Ten. I mean, they were awful. It was bad. I went through the numbers last night. You know, I had – um, in total, 14 and 26 against non-conference camp uh, competition. That's against the spread. Uh, you know, the non-conference during the regular season, 13 and 22 against the spread. And the Bulls came back one and four. Uh, Utah getting the ex- uh, against the spread winner. So uh, it was a bad year. And you know, some of these teams that looks to continue. Uh, obviously, some of the you know the upper echelon hopes to uh, turn it around this year. Matt. Uh, Jimmy, uh, all the hype in the offseason has been on USC, but I, I think Utah is the uh, team to beat in this conference this year. Won 10 games. Last season lost a Rose Bowl thriller to Ohio State. Uh, Kyle Whittingham, my favorite coach in the conference, brings back 14 starters. And uh, Cameron Rising, the quarterback that you um, referred to before, the Utes averaged 38 points a game with him at quarterback uh, after Whittingham flipped a switch early last season. That was after Utah lost at San Diego State. Pac-12 did have a big win early in the season, Jimmy. We were there when uh, UCLA upset LSU, minor upset at the Rose Bowl. But the Pac-12 did fade quite a bit last year. I think Utah and USC, no secret, going to lead the way. But I like the Utes a little bit better. I played them at plus 220 to win this conference. When I drove up from five on uh, game day of that LSU-UCLA game from Del Mar to uh, downtown Los Angeles, it took me about 15 minutes to get multiple reports that 
several LSU players riding around downtown L.A. on scooters past midnight, and it didn't seem like the unraveling was just coming apart uh, at the seams. And, of course, who could forget, you know, Coach O screaming at the UCLA fans about their sissy blues. So, got to love that. So, it's a little bit more buttoned up in Baton Rouge uh, right now uh, with Brian Kelly. And one of the stories there, a storyline also, is Jaden Daniels is projected to win the starting job uh, at LSU and Arizona State transfer. They get an, uh, an SEC guy in Embry Jones. And are we a little surprised that Herm Edwards is still around in Tempe at this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, the biggest thing I, I took away moving into this year. I mean, it looks like a program that's heading downhill fast, even heading into their bowl game last year against Wisconsin. Uh, you know, losing both coordinators, recruiting violations, uh, just nothing but problems. And that, you know, now uh, you get two new coordinators. Herm Edwards, 68 years old, brings in a 64-year-old uh, defensive coordinator, lost a, t- a ton of talent. Just doesn't seem like a program that's uh, on the cusp uh, of a turnaround. So uh, Arizona State, uh, Jimmy and Matt, uh, a team that I bet under the season wins about a month ago, I think all summer. Uh, it's been going down, but uh, I, I'd be surprised if uh, Herm Edwards was here this time next year. Matt, uh, I guess let's just get this one out the way because I think we yeah. share the opinion on Arizona State under. It is juiced to the under, under six at Bet Rivers at minus 125. I best describe this as a time bomb. It's just a matter of when this thing is going to explode. Um, the, also, the Pac-12 openers and against Utah and USC – um, they're not likely to win those games. And then maybe and, – and obviously there's a lot of leadership that is missing from this program right now. And also, when things are going sour, these kids are transferring out left and right. Uh, Arizona State, I like uh, under as well, Matt, uh, under the six. Yeah, I played Arizona State under six and a half early. This is one of the first win totals uh, that I bet. I do think the perception that the Arizona State program is falling apart is correct. And Jaden Daniels was not very good last year at quarterback, but I think the coaching staff has to take some of the blame for that. And Brian Kelly is the type of coach, type of coach who can uh, get a turn a quarterback around. So I think there should be some optimism with uh, Daniels at LSU. But he was a three-year starter in Tempe, and, and he regressed last year. And uh, now Emory Jones steps in. He's a mediocre passer, a better runner. I think one positive with the Sun Devils, it's got to be Xavier Valade. He transferred from Wyoming after a 1,000-yard season. He's a really good running back. Uh, so I, I think you can, always, you can find positives with any team, and that's the one positive with the Sun Devils. Also, the second half of their schedule is a little bit soft. But I don't think this team has a chance to match its 8-5 and five, uh, record from a year ago. Eight wins going into that bowl game loss against Wisconsin. I think at best, Arizona State's a 6-6 six and six team. And I think this uh, situation could fall apart on Herm. And with this uh, this regime here for Arizona State, he might lead the uh, college football in carries <laughs> because it's going to be running the football a lot. You know, the thing you look at ASU, you know, the winnable games in the Pac-12 to me were all on the road: Stanford, Colorado, Washington State, Arizona. Uh, so, you know, that's that's where the really the trickiness of the schedule gets uh, gets in their way as well. You know what's interesting, uh, too? Let's talk about talk at about the top again at Bet Rivers, USC. Um, I was going to say you talked about Matt, Colorado, Stanford, Washington State. Those teams are now looking at Arizona State as a, as a chance to get a, a win. You know, when uh, Arizona right. State, 
was considered an upper echelon team in the Pac-12 before. Now those bottom feeders are looking at Arizona State and saying, hey, that's an opportunity for us to get a win, and I think that's uh, probably correct. At the top, again, to win the Pac-12, USC is the favorite at 2-1. to one. Uh, Utah plus 240 at Bet Rivers, Oregon plus 250. Well, uh, Winningham's been at Utah forever. USC and Oregon with first-year coaches, and with new coaches, you, you, your recruiting class is going to be compromised. I'm now, he did, you know, there's no doubt that Lincoln Riley helped himself out in the transfer portal, but all of the high, pro, and there's some really good ones, um, and, you know, Caleb Williams might be the, the number one overall pick in uh, a couple of drafts, but USC the favorite over a better roster and more stability in the coaching staff at Utah, and also the total, USC is 9.5, Utah is at 9. Aaron? Uh, yeah, I, I thought, you know, USC is was probably the toughest team to power rate um, heading into uh, heading into the season, certainly in the Pac-12, maybe, uh, you know, one of the tougher teams to power rate in all college football. Uh, obviously, with uh, you know the coaching change, you know new schemes on both sides of the ball, uh, and then you know you go back to last year and just heading into the season, USC was supposed to be, um, you know, I would say twenty points better uh, than the average team. They finished uh, about even, you know, just dreadful. Obviously, more defensively uh, and offensively, they struggle with injuries, etc. As well, so I thought they were kind of a tough team to evaluate that way obviously you throw into the transfers uh involved as well um you know they're going to be really good uh from an offensive standpoint how good you know the ceiling should be high but uh, you know again just a lot of change happening within this team but you know defensively you know to say it's kind of a championship team the secondary uh, has a lot of issues. They were very soft. They couldn't tackle. And, you know, you go back to Lincoln Riley with uh, Oklahoma, it's not like uh, they had these great defensive uh, juggernauts. So, uh, and, you know, as the season moves forward, the schedule, very light for USC. But as the season moves forward, I think depth, uh, you have to kind of consider any kind of injury to quarterback Williams. And, boy, this team uh, has a lot of issues. So, um, I, you know, from a power rating perspective, I, I made them a little bit less than UCLA to start the season. Uh, I just have to see it at least on the field before I can buy into what, uh, what's happening here. Matt, uh, Utah, again, you talked about the two games. Well, uh, Rising didn't start those two games early uh, in the season. Kind of reminded me of Van Dyke and King's situation at Miami. Well, it cost Diaz his job. It cost Utah uh, maybe a shot at the playoff, but they return a lot. This could be uh, Winningham's best uh, best team that he's had over there. And keep in mind, Rising played that well with limited reps with the number ones in the August camp. You know when they thought Charlie Brewer was going to was their starter, and also they they destroyed a line of scrimmage program under Mario Cristobal uh, to the point where he underutilized Justin Herbert 76 to 17 combined and it could have been uh, even worse i think the 9 is a low number uh, we talk about in competition at the top of the pack 12 with first year coaches well they're playing another first year coach in the swamp uh, in Billy Napier down in Gainesville to open up a high profile non-conference game to start yeah, and that's going to be a huge game for uh, Utah in terms of getting over that win total of nine. I don't like to bet over uh, numbers that high, but I think this Utah team's got ten wins written all over it. And uh, if you go back to like we talked about last year with Cameron Rising, 
38 points per game when he took over a quarterback, a 9-1 record against Pac-12 opponents. They dropped 52 on Stanford, 44 on UCLA, 42 on USC. He had 20 TD passes, 5 picks, and he rushed for 500 yards. He's a tough quarterback to defend. He's going to be even better this season. And uh, Utah's got, if not the best, uh, one of the best running backs in the Pac-12 and Tavion Thomas, who's a uh, tough runner. I think uh, Whittingham did a pretty good job in the transfer portal too, from what I can, uh, from what I can gauge here. I think in building up that defensive front, even though six starters come back, it's a relatively low number. I think uh, he brought in a lot of talent to uh, rebuild that defense. So Utah's a two-point favorite at the Swamp. I really don't want to uh, to lay the small number with the Utes on the road in that game, but I am willing to. Uh, the best that this team gets to at least nine, if not ten wins, and I, I think is uh, the Pac-12's best bet to get to the college football playoff. Cameron Rising's going to be a star, Jimmy. I took a shot at uh, Rising 101 in the Heisman uh, market on him because if you talk and win that early season game at Florida, I think you're going to see this team rip off a long winning streak. And don't forget the Utes get uh, USC in Salt Lake City, so that's a big key to the Pac-12 schedule. You know, we saw, uh, ER, we saw a big variance uh, in that line when the guys over at the, uh, the Southgate uh, put it out, uh, Chris Andrews. That uh, Utah line was much higher than some other shops that have put it out uh, even before they released their college football games of the year. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not uh, exactly sure what it was or, or how high it was. Uh, over there, Jimmy. But, I mean, you know, Utah is, you know, you look at what Utah did last year, and, you know, I guess that's the thing is, is you know, do they have another uh, another notch to get to on offense? I mean, everything kind of went wrong for that team the first three games. Obviously, make the change at quarterback. Everything went right uh, for ten games and about three quarters uh, against Ohio State. But, you know, rising sack just six times, limited on turnovers, um, you know, that's just, you know, everything going right, hard to duplicate that this season. But, yeah, obviously using your head from a program perspective, uh, Utah seems to be on the path here to be able to, to be the favorite. With that said, uh, I actually <laughs> I was a little bit surprised, and, you know, my numbers are my numbers, but uh, I actually made Oregon is my top power-rated team in the Pac-12. Let's talk about Oregon and just exactly what they have. Now, the biggest thing they have going for them is that return all five offensive line starters uh, from a year ago. But Oregon, I mean, what is going to be their identity uh, with Lanning? I mean, they were hyper-tempo, up-tempo, finesse, a high-scoring uh, Oregon, I mean, under uh, Chip Kelly. Then it became a line of scrimmage program uh, under Mario Cristobal. So that's what I'm interested to see when he comes over. And beware, ER, we're putting your money on Bo Nix. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah, we will find lightning in a bottle every now and then. Uh, but, man, he is he has been a major disappointment in his three years starting at uh, Auburn. Uh, flat out entitled, uh, to, to, to put it, because, you know, he ran the same offense that Melzahn was for his dad, a former uh, quarterback at Auburn as well. But Bo Nix is coming in at Oregon with Lanning and Georgia at eight and a half choose to the over at minus 138 yeah i mean obviously there's some questions you got to see which way and they're going to find out obviously in their first game against georgia uh where they might get uh, a bloody nose but we'll see if they can rebound but you know i i look at it like this i mean oregon's got a ton of talent um you know they they got a ton of depth uh etc and I, I was not a big fan of uh you know what cristobal did on game days you know from a coordinating 
health uh, issue to going forward on fourth down, etc. I mean, that was kind of the history uh, that he had with this program. So, you know, Landing comes in 36 years old. I, I think that defense will be uh, a lot better, uh, certainly live up to maybe their talent. Now, Bo Nix, I looked at it a little bit like this, Jimmy. Um, and obviously he gets the coordinator that he had the first year, I think going back to 2019 uh, with Auburn. But, you know, Nix, the strength of opposing defenses that he's going to face here in the Pac-12 compared to what he had to face week in, week out uh, in the SEC, he's going to have a, a pretty drop, a pretty good drop in, in a power ranking from that perspective. So, um, you know, he, he's going to have the chance, the opportunity, a lot of talent around him as well. Uh, with that offensive line, as you mentioned. So, you know, we'll see what he's able to produce. But, uh, you know, on paper, you know, the opportunity, the, the drop in defenses he's going to face, he's he's at least going to have that chance to uh, be able to put up a pretty good year. No argument there uh, in the SEC West and also paired up with your permanent uh, non-divisional opponent, Georgia, who was damn good on defense. And in two of those three years, he played Florida as well. Uh, Matt, what do you expect this year out of the Oregon Ducks and first-year head coach Lanning? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a win total play on the Ducks. Eight and a half is uh, the number consensus number out there. I, I also think Mario Cristobal was a buffoon when it came to game management, and uh, he was a bet against coach. Uh, Dan Lanning, we don't know. He's 36 years old. He's a first-time head coach. Bo Nix comes over after a roller coaster ride at Auburn. But like ER said, he's going to be facing much weaker defenses in this conference. I think uh, the one thing that Bo Nix has got to love is Oregon's probably got one of the top three offensive lines in college football in front of him. Even though running back Travis Dye transferred to USC, he's still got plenty of talent. Uh, Oregon's had top ten recruiting classes, if not better, uh, pretty much each of the last five years. And uh, you have to respect the talent in the program. So I'm not crazy about a first-time head coach who's 36 years old. I'm not crazy about Bo Nix. But I respect the talent in the program and the offensive line enough that I'm not going to bet Oregon under. This is a no play for me. Yeah, Cristobal, I mean, two Stanford games he blew with clock management. And was there a player that was underutilized more? Uh, than uh, Justin Herbert. So, I mean, there is no doubt. UCLA is at eight and a half, and uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is still there. Yes, indeed. Um, the other thing that catches my attention, we talk about scheduling a lot in college football because it makes a big difference. UCLA's always scheduled pretty tough. You know, they play non-conference games. But Bowling Green, South Alabama, and Alabama State has to be the weakest that I can remember. I mean, that's a MAC, a SWAC, and, uh, you know, a Sun Belt team. But Do Thompson Robinson, man, he caught a little fire. It wasn't the toughest defenses, but they averaged almost 50 points a game in the last three games. Uh, Chip Kelly with his first winning season uh, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, California. But um, weak administration, their budget, they're uh, notoriously frugal. Uh, is UCLA eight and a half ER is the total here? Uh, yeah, you know, keep in mind the Bruins haven't really recruited all that well uh, under Chip Kelly as well, and you know, there's some talk about even some of the development uh, of the latest uh, recruiting classes. So, you know, that's just it. I mean, I, you know, I think UCLA maybe played to their ceiling last year, uh, which you know turned out, um, you know, Kelly was kind of under the gun, or um, certainly some pressure on him, and you know, a good year uh, for him. And, you know, the defense, you know, can you ever get that right? You know, 75th last year. 
some of the things they did from the transfer portal look good on paper. You know, for me, guys, you know, as we move into college football, obviously we had the COVID year two years ago last year, but, you know, it's still kind of figuring this out for me, uh, you know, with, with so many of these teams, you know, transfers and, uh, the NIL deal, how it's just going to change the landscape here of college football. Now, it seems like what Kelly did here with the transfer portal, uh, you know, he did a good job of, of filling the needs uh, of his team. He wasn't like a USC where you're just trying to get a, as much talent as possible and kind of see what sticks uh, in the end. So, obviously, this team should be um, as good, if not better, uh, from an offensive perspective. Uh, defensively, that's where they're going to have an issues, and it's kind of hard to see the stride. They did bring in some uh, quality transfers, but I don't know if it, you know, from kind of lesser programs, uh, if you will. So uh, I think I have about the same rating on UCLA as I did last year. Matt, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson showing some signs. Uh, can he carry uh, this UCLA team? Yeah, I don't know if he has to carry the UCLA team. Uh, DTR's the most experienced quarterback in the Pac-12, but he's got a running back, uh, Zach Charbonnet, a, a former Michigan transfer, who I think can help carry this offense as well. He had 1,137 yards rushing and 13 touchdowns last season, so I think the combination of those two guys should make this offense uh, pretty potent. We know Chip Kelly loves to run the ball, and uh, with DTR and Charbonnet, I think uh, putting points on the board might not be a big problem. Uh, for the Bruins, even though they're going to miss Britton Brown, they're going to miss Kyle Phillips and Greg Dulcich. Those were three guys who were really productive in that offense. I think uh, one of the biggest things holding Chip Kelly back at UCLA was uh, Jerry Azanero, who was a dinosaur as defensive coordinator. Uh, Kelly's coached 43 games at UCLA. Bruins have allowed 38 points or more in 18 of those games. He finally switches defensive coordinators. Uh, but the problem is you don't have much talent back from last season's team. You've only got two starters returning. He tried to fill some holes in the transfer portal. I don't know if it's going to be enough. I think the schedule sets up well here. This is why UCLA has such a high win total. You talked about it, Jimmy. The non-conference schedule is a joke. Bowling Green, Alabama State, South Alabama. Probably the worst UCLA's ever had in the history of the program. You open the conference with the game at Colorado, probably the weakest team in the Pac-12. So UCLA should be really 5-0 and going into the Utah game on October 8th, and then we'll find out how good the Bruins really are. I think they're probably the third or fourth best, probably the fourth best team in the Pac-12, uh, but they're going to win a lot of games because the schedule's weak. Yeah, that's a that's an automatic uh, three and zero at Bowling Green, South Alabama, in Alabama State. They, I mean, UCLA non conference games have always, whether they play Oklahoma, LSU, Tennessee, Alabama, they they've always had some really fun non conference games. But hey, man, that's the way it is in college football right now. Everybody is scheduling pretty weak non. Matt, Matt, you must be ready to head out for that uh, October A showdown at the Rose Bowl against Utah. I would assume, huh? Uh, I would be there, but uh, ER, I'm going to be hosting a Saturday show on v so there's going to be no road trips to uh, college football games uh, this fall. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> okay. I was looking at the schedule, figuring which games you were going to go yeah. to this year. Yeah. It's not going to happen. 
one of the uh, one of the other ones where you got to look at it in probably a biggest discrepancy, of course, USC in what they were last year, but of course the Lincoln Riley story and all the transfers. But Washington, Washington was four and eight last year, but their win total is seven and a half, and it's juiced to the over at Bet Rivers at minus one twenty five. So you look into it. Well, they play two rental wins and they host Michigan State at home. They'll let you know where the first-year coach is. But they also avoid USC and Utah from the south. Uh, for, uh, they fired Jimmy Lake last year. Offensive struggles were horrendous last year. But Colin DeBoer from Fresno State takes over in Seattle. Yeah, I'm a uh, big fan of uh, Kalen DeBoer. Uh, obviously followed him in the Big Ten with Indiana. Uh, extremely good offensive mind. So, I mean, really, you, you look at it just about the polar opposite uh, here of uh, Jimmy Lake. So, um, you know, I think you'll have some opportunities in the totals market perhaps uh, with Washington. I think uh, one of the most improved offensive teams uh, in the country. Uh, with that said, you know, I would expect them to take a, a bit of a step back defensively, even off a subpar year last year, or maybe a, at least equal footy. I mean, you lose a couple studs. Uh, in cornerbacks, lose a first-round pick and a second-round pick. Um, just easily, you know, hard to replace those kind of guys uh, in college football. So I, I was kind of uh, bullish uh, on this Washington team. But, boy, uh, I know we talked about it before uh, the start here. I looked at the season over-under. You know, I came up with about, you know, right about seven, 7.25 wins, 7.5 wins. So uh, I was surprised to see the win total set at 7.5, a little bit juiced. Uh, to the over, so no value for them. I, I like this team. I think uh, I'll be able to make some money uh, with Washington one way or the other. Uh, but, yeah, from a season over under wins, I will not be on them. And, Matt, also we see another. There's a lot of this in college football. Uh, previous stops where the quarterback and the coach were together. Now mm-hmm. they're following each other. Kalen DeBoer was at Indiana and Bloomington when Michael Penix was there and had better results with him. He was a big disappointment last year. That's uh, he's, He figures to be the uh, the signal caller for the Huskies this season. Yeah, and Kalen DeBoer's a big upgrade from Jimmy Lake. There's no doubt about it. I love the uh, the coaching change here. That's the major positive with Washington. I don't know what type of quarterback play you're going to get necessarily. I'm not the biggest Michael Penix fan. Uh, I always questioned his passing accuracy and some of his decision-making when he was the Indiana quarterback, but uh, he'll probably be better. Uh, with uh, reuniting with DeBoer in Seattle. Dylan Morris, Sam Heward, a couple of highly touted backups. I don't see a ton of uh, uh, talent at the skill positions on this Huskies offense. Unless there's something I'm not seeing, I don't think this offense is going to be very explosive. Defense looks solid, not great. This program's lost a lot of talent from the Chris Peterson era. Uh, Washington lost to Montana 13-7 to in last year's opener. If that doesn't tell you something about the talent level in this program declining, I don't know what does. Now, Kalen DeBoer is going to upgrade it. I don't know how quickly. I think Washington's a team you got to watch closely. You're going to start to see some improvement throughout the year with this team because he's such a good coach, and you're going to see a much better team in year two. I don't. I have kind of tempered expectations for Washington off the start. I would lean under that number of seven and a half. All right, uh, ER, Oregon State at five and a half. One of the more interesting things I saw when Jonathan Smith, who co-quarterbacked that Fiesta Bowl champion, uh, probably the best team that Oregon State ever had when they routed uh, Notre Dame in that Fiesta Bowl. He redshirted his entire uh, first recruiting class. Now it's paying off dividends. 16 starters return, uh, 10 seniors, 8 juniors. 
I mean, they are experienced. They won eight games last year. Kind of a line of scrimmage approach uh, stylistically, and uh, including 9 of 11 on defense. Now they do start with USC and Utah, uh, so they, the schedule is tough to start the uh, Pac-12. But Oregon State at 5.5 at Bet Rivers. You know, that might not be a bad thing, playing U, uh, USC early, uh, et cetera. But, you know, Oregon State, uh, Jonathan Smith, I mean, boy, what a perfect guy they, they found uh, for this job. Obviously, uh, one of the tougher ones in, in the Power Five. I mean, you know, outside of Utah, uh, I mean, right now, I mean, you know, I'd have to say about the most solid program uh, in the Pac-12 for what they've been able to do. It would be interesting to see. Um, you know, offensively, they should be fine uh, with uh, Smith and Nolan at quarterback. Um, you know, we'll see if from a defensive perspective they made the change at coordinator uh, last year and, and kept uh, uh, Trent Bay there. Um, you know, they did seem to be a little bit better from a defensive perspective uh, to end uh, last year. So that seems like a, a upgrade. I think the secondary should be a lot better. You know, the problem you have here uh, with Oregon State is, you know, the ceiling still – is just going to be so high from a talent perspective. You know, it, it's, it's still not going to be the talent of Oregon and uh, USC, UCLA. But, boy, they, they get the most uh, out of what they got. So I would expect them to be able to pull a few upsets here. And uh, I, I, would, uh, I would say bet this team uh, overseason wins. Matt, uh, two years ago I found two was the win total on Oregon State. They, they clearly went over that one. But he did finally get the winning record last year and got them into a bowl game for the first time in quite some time. Yeah, think about that. He took over a hapless program. And um, in the span of uh, four years, he's gone to seven wins. And the Beavers beat USC, Utah, and Washington last season. I think Chance Nolan is one of those blue-collar quarterbacks who can uh, win you a lot of games. The, the offensive line actually should be one of the best in the Pac-12. Beavers scored 45 points against USC and 42 against Utah last season. Defense brings back nine starters. The problem I have here, and I like this over the total, uh, six and a half is the number. Four of the first five games on the schedule, Jimmy, are as tough as a $2 stake. Boise State, Fresno State, USC, Utah. Man, I don't think you can find a much tougher uh, uh, four games in a five-week stretch to open up with what Oregon State faces. Now, this team, like ER said, is going to pull a couple upsets. And, I, you know, the Beavers beat Oregon as 13-point dogs a couple of years ago. Uh, I actually feel like right now Oregon State is just, uh, just, just a hair below Oregon, even though you would say the recruiting classes point to a hell of a lot more talent in the Oregon program. I love the coaching edge that Jonathan Smith uh, gives the Beavers, and you have an experienced quarterback here. I like Chase Nolan better than I do Bo Nix. I, I think uh, it's a high-risk kind of prediction because of the schedule, but uh, I, I give Oregon State a, a decent chance to go over that number of six and a half. Until Ohio State came from behind to beat uh, beat Utah in the Rose Bowl, Oregon State was the only team to beat Utah with Cameron Rising as a starter. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was a big win for them. And I stand corrected. It was a 7-5 and five regular season, uh, not 8-4. and four. Uh, Moving on to uh, Washington State uh, and uh, ER. The um, Well, um, this was an uncomfortable sort of a midseason switch <laughs> at, at uh, the head man last year. And, you know, uh, Dekert was uh, kind of credited for kind of just kind of, you know, damage controlling the, uh, the Rolovich's uh, midseason uh, uh, 
you know, ousting. <laughs> Incarnate Word transfer quarterback. Uh, he should be okay. Schedule is tough. They go to Madison, Wisconsin. That's going to be almost impossible. USC and Utah both out of the south. Five and a half, juice to the under at minus 143. Yeah, this team cost me some money last year. I mean, going through all that turmoil, etc. Um, yeah, just uh, was trying to bet against them and find spots, and they just kind of continued to 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 win and certainly cover the number and and um, you know overachieve. I guess is the best way to say it. I think Matt will have a little bit more to say about this team than I do. So uh, you know, I struggled to kind of get a feel uh, for them last year. Um, obviously, Digger did enough to. Uh, retain the job you know they overachieved with with certainly some things you know plus 11 and turnovers uh last year and it's to me it's a little bit of the great unknown now uh you know jimmy as you mentioned cameron ward uh comes in i mean a 71 to 14 some impressive numbers um but boy some low level football with uh, offensive coordinator eric moore so for me washington state you know I, i just could not get this team right last year uh, so kind of an unknown uh, for me coming into the season. Uh, Matt, I think uh, you and I are on opposite pages of the book here, but I like them under. I think that, that as you talked about, that minor miracle job uh, midseason switch at the head coach, it's admirable, but I don't know about sustainable. Also, they got beat up in a transfer portal. They did gain a quarterback, but they also lost their quarterback in the Pac-12 Offensive Freshman of the Year wide receiver. Um you like uh, Washington State over. I, I like the under. Yeah, I like over five and a half. Is, is that the current Bet Rivers number? I think uh, if you can find a five, yes, yes. After it's a and you're going to get some money back on the juice too, yeah. right? This is a, a very intriguing team to me, and I, I'll admit I think it, it could be a bust, uh, but it's going to be a team to watch. And I think Cameron Ward is going to be the key. He and his coach from Incarnate Word, Eric Morris are going to bring a passing crazy attack to Pullman, so this team's going to be difficult to defend. Cameron Ward, I know, is a low level of football in San Antonio, but he had 77 TD passes in two seasons. He's six foot three, 220. Last year he had 47 TDs and 10 picks. Uh, I, Nakia Watson, a Washington transfer, excuse me, a Wisconsin transfer, is going to step in as a running back. The talent level's down, but the one way you can kind of uh, level the playing field in college football is to spread the defense and throw the ball 50 times a game. And I think that's what Washington State's going to do. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cougars uh, top 30 points per game if Ward can make a quick adjustment to a higher level of football here. I like what Jake Dicker did. I think this defense is solid. Um, If you you go back to last season, the Cougars crushed Washington 40-13 to on the road. they play four of the first five games at home. They have a shot to win all four, Idaho, Colorado State, Oregon, and California. Uh, the trip to Wisconsin, that's going to be uh, something you mark an L next to for sure. But I think this passing attack makes this team pretty intriguing. The schedule's not too bad. I give Washington State a decent chance to get over five and a half. All right, uh, moving on to the Cal Bears and uh uh, ER, five one-score losses uh, last year. Uh, Wilcox and the Bears were close. How about the uh, former uh, Oregon Duck uh, turned down uh, interest from uh, Eugene and signed his new contract extension at $4.75 million a year, just being two games under 526 and 28. Through the pandemic, uh, their administration has kind of made it a little extra tough uh, on him. But uh, Cal uh, – 
really inconsistent the last five years. They, they, they're losing to teams they should beat. They, they go down and, uh, and beat USC. Cal Bears at five and a half at Bet Rivers. Yeah, I leaned uh, over the five and a half here on season over under win. Obviously, you know, you kind of mentioned some of the reservations you have with this program to, um, you know, want to bet this team over the total. But, you know, quite honestly, you kind of keep waiting. Uh, for Cal to take that next step under Justin Wilcox. And, you know, here we are. We're still waiting. <laughs> and, and this really doesn't look like the year uh, that it's going to be a breakout for them with so you know few starters uh, returning for them. Now, I think, you know, favorable for them. They I think they're going to be favored in four of their fir- uh, first six games. So, uh, you know, they have a chance to get off to a good start. Uh, you know, it really comes down to the offense. You know the defense is going to be, you know, a top 30, maybe 20 unit uh, in college football this year, you know, just a total complete rebuild uh, on offense. And, you know, I guess one way to look at it is if you've watched this team play offense the last few years, that might not be a bad thing. Uh, you know, the problem is, you know, you're still super young at the wide receiver position, which you don't really want to be uh, in college football. They bring in uh, the Purdue transfer, uh, Jake Plummer, who was, you know, coached up. Uh, for Purdue uh, under Brom and, and his schemes with uh, what he was able to do. So he's, you know, I can't say he's going to be coached up uh, here at Cal compared to that. And obviously uh, the Boilermakers take off as they make the quarterback change uh, without him last year. So, uh, you know, like I say, I just kind of feel like this program's ready to turn the corner. But, uh, you know, I'm not sure this is the year they're going to be able to do it, Jimmy. Also uh, getting a little help, they thought, last year, but their top recruit uh, out of Texas, four-star wide receiver J. Michael Sturdivant, uh, he was injured last year, so he redshirted. He uh, had a good spring uh, in uh, Berkeley as well, so needs some explosive plays out of the wide receiver position. Matt, any opinion on the Cal Bears at five and a half? Yeah, not crazy about Cal. Uh, Justin Wilcox is an elite defensive coach, no question about it. Any opposing coach in the Pac-12 will tell you that. You know you're going to be in for a fight if you face a Wilcox coach defense. Uh, but I just don't see much talent here. you got eight returning starters. ER talked about Jake Plummer. It's not Jake. It's Jack Plummer. And uh, it's not Jack the Snake Plummer. He's not oh. that talented. Uh, actually, he's right. The Purdue offense took off after uh, Jack Plummer got benched. Well, last season. He replaces Chase Garbers, a four-year starter who was inconsistent. You just don't have much uh, talent here at the uh, skill positions. Only three starters back, two on the offensive line. So can Jack Plummer carry the Cal offense? I, I kind of doubt it. The thing is, the schedule sets up okay for Cal early in the season. You play UC Davis, UNLV. You've got three you could win in the Pac-12 against Arizona, Washington State, and Colorado. Uh but I think this team's going to really struggle to get to 6-6. Six and six. I like Wilcox a lot as a coach. I just don't see the talent on this team this year. All right, uh, Stanford uh, is a win total at 4.5. is juice to the under at minus 143. Ten straight bowl games to three straight non-bowl games. And, well, it took a little longer than I thought for this uh, program to decline. But, uh, man, it has gotten a little bit stale uh, in Palo Alto. Now, the wide receiver uh, core is pretty good. The quarterback is back, but the uphill tough schedule, uh, BYU, Notre Dame, USC, and Utah out of the south, tough schedule for the tree. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at Stanford and, you know, the state of college football and, and 
you know, the things that you have to change in your handicapping uh, from 2022 to certainly 2012 and maybe what you're doing on the football field too. But, you know, Stanford, not a team that's going to win the transfer portal with such a tough school uh, from an academic perspective. Obviously, uh, NIL, you know, Stanford's not going to actually uh, be at the top of any uh, thing for that. So, you know, nine transfers out, one transfer in. Uh, you know, it's just hard to kind of sustain and compete with the certainly the upper echelon uh, of the Pac-12. You know, y- you look at the returning starters, and if it's not this year, if, if Stanford can't turn it around uh, this year, I think you really have to ask your, uh, yourself the question is when uh, would be the when when would they uh, be able to, you know, again with uh, the returning production, they should be should be one of the most improved teams uh, in college football. But boy, uh, the way they were absolutely blown off the field last year in their last four games, being outscored 173 uh, to 46. I mean, college football 101, uh, you can't run the football, you can't stop the run. Uh, so again, you know, you see kind of the upside, obviously with the quarterback Tanner McGee. Uh, Etc. But I just don't trust uh, this coaching staff uh, to be able to uh, get it done against a tough schedule right now. Yeah, Matt, no doubt uh, lack of a running game and no defense puts a lot of strain on that uh, a capable quarterback-receiver uh, tandem. Uh, Stanford at four and a half, Matt. Yeah, Jimmy, a couple things I want to mention here. ER shows up today wearing glasses. First time I've ever seen that. I think that's a sign of old age. <laughs> and uh, the second he grew up a Milwaukee Brewers fan, and now the Dodgers have the best record in baseball, and he's wearing a Dodgers cap. So that's a little bit disappointing uh, today. <laughs> you know, I don't have high expectations for Stanford, obviously, but the Westgate Superbook put up a total of four, and I made a bet over the, over the number of four. I thought four and a half uh, was probably – the right number. David Shaw, 11 and 19 in the last four seasons. What I like about Stanford here, Tanner McKee is going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the Pac-12. I think they actually got a little bit of talent around him, a little bit more uh, strength on the offensive line. You got six starters back on the line. E.J. Smith, the son of Emmett Smith, is going to be the featured back. Uh, I hate to bet on a David Shaw team, David Shaw offense putting up big numbers, but I think Stanford's going to be better offensively this season with Tanner McKee. And uh, the defense was a disgrace last year. Seven starters come back. You've got a couple of, a couple of guys in the secondary. Actually, one of the most talented players in the Pac-12 in the secondary. David Bailey, a freshman edge rusher, who's going to step in and make an impact right away. I don't want to sound too optimistic here about the Cardinal, uh, but they're going to be favored at least three times at home. I think this team has got a chance to uh, – get to five wins and should get to at least four off of Tanner McKee. Uh, so I'm going to play uh, a Stanford team with 10 returning starters on offense over the number of four, but not over four and a half, Jimmy. To me, there's a big difference. I also think ER made a good point. When, when you look at the current state of college football, Stanford's going to be behind the curve. This is not going to be a program that can bring in a lot of talent through the transfer portal. Is not going to pay uh, players through NIL deals like Miami. So I really think Stanford's going to be up against it uh, in the next few years, too, because of the way college football has changed. Even with the value that's going to be near the top as far as the uh, student-athlete's uh, academic experience, mm-hmm. when you get a degree from Stanford, I mean, you're going to have a lot of opportunities uh, post, post-playing post career, but you see some of their players, their better players, transferring out 
uh, two stronger programs. So and, and and they're not bringing a whole lot in at the bottom. Well, you know, it, it's it's troubling as well as you know Stanford still from a recruiting standpoint is having you know strong recruiting classes. I mean, is good if not better than UCLA, but you know, really the last few years they just have not been able to. Uh, to uh, develop these recruits whatsoever as well. So, you know, that's another kind of black eye on the program. We'll see if that can turn around. Uh, at the bottom of the list here with the uh, Bet Rivers win totals, Arizona at three and a half. They're one and 11 last year, but I don't know if they're, they're trying to be Michigan State, but they have really hustled the transfer portal, and some people think they might be on the improve uh, at San Diego State. Mississippi State, North North Dakota State is not an easy non-conference schedule. And then Colorado, what are we going to get? Uh, the surprise pandemic record or the 4-8 and eight record last year with Carl Durrell? They have a tough non-conference schedule. TCU at Air Force in Minnesota. Uh, pretty tough uh, and for a boulder. So Arizona, Colorado, any opinions on those, Aaron? Uh, yeah, I think Arizona could be better, obviously. And, and Matt, you know, I do have to, unfortunately, I got twenty twenty vision, but I can't see uh, one and two feet in front of me. So um, I, I guess I am getting old in that department. But you know, Arizona, you know, if you believe Jed Fish, they're, they're ready to challenge for the conference title uh, anytime. But, you know, he kind of fits right into uh, – um, the, the college football landscape of head coaches. Uh, Fish is a great salesman. Uh, he's done well uh, with uh, some of the recruiting and, and bringing some guys in. I mean, you know, you have to like uh, the quarterback, the lore that he brings in, a big-time receiver uh, in Cowing from uh, UTEP in the transfer portal. But, boy, uh, they have a long way to go. They're probably still uh, a year away. And, you know, you kind of have to question, uh, you know, another guy who can recruit and, and say the right things. Uh, off the field, but boy, you watch that Arizona team last year, awful in the red zone, going forward on fourth downs, you know, the turnovers, uh, they were just kind of a mess uh, with what they were doing on on the field, so uh, I think it's an improving program, I probably lean to them uh, overseas and wins just because it it, it is so low, but, um, you know, kind of talk about, you know, how down the Pac-12 was uh, last year, but um, you know Arizona, a team that I think can get better. We talked about Stanford being able to get better. Uh, you know, Matt can talk about Colorado. That's a team uh, that, that really doesn't look like they're going to be uh, getting any any better anytime soon. Yeah, I don't want to talk too much about Colorado. I'll, I'll tell you this: I bet the Buffaloes under their win total of three and a half. Again, that was one of the first win total bets I made. I thought that number was way too high. We're seeing two and a half now at most books. Uh, the Buffalo's schedule is brutal. And uh, somebody at Colorado should have lined up a schedule like UCLA's got in the non-conference because this Colorado team can't handle the schedule that's in front of it. So it's thumbs down to Carl Durrell and the Buffaloes this season. I, I do think Arizona's going to be better. Wildcats can't be much worse. They've lost 23 of their last 24 since the middle of the 2019 season. I do like Jaden Delora, the transfer from Washington State. He had 23 TD passes last season. He's going to help upgrade that offense. Arizona brought in some talent. Again, this is not a, uh, a team with a very hospitable schedule. I think the Wildcats, even though they're going to be better, it might not show up much in the win column here. So it's going to be tough even for Arizona to get to, get to three wins uh, so I, I'm going to stay away from a, any sort of play on Arizona. 
All right, to surmise uh, ER, you've given opinions on Oregon over. You do like them to win uh, the conference this year uh, over Cal at five and a half and maybe consideration for over three and a half at Arizona. Am I missing anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I didn't play Oregon. Oregon. Um, you kind of have to see how it goes. I was just saying they're my top power-rated team okay. uh, in the conference. I, I certainly do feel like they'll win their division. I mean, it looks like a, a showdown here between Utah and Oregon. Uh, in the championship game, to me, uh, obviously Oregon hopes it goes a lot better uh, than it did uh, last year. Uh, and Matt, maybe uh, uh, ER's uh, uh, sight is his vision rather is like uh, Willie Z's putting. It's fine from sixty feet away, but maybe five <laughs> to eight, it can be a little shaky. Under Arizona State, over Utah, over Oregon State, over Washington State, under Colorado. Am I getting that right, Matt? That's correct. I don't think that Colorado total is bettable at the uh, the number. It's gone from three and a half to two and a half, but you can definitely put me down for the other four. All right. Uh, and I like over nine in Utah, under Arizona State, six in Washington State, under five and a half. Aaron Redding, Matt Humans, I'm Jimmy Ott. This again, back, Pac-12 preview here on the Sports Betters Paradise, part of the Bet Rivers Network YouTube channel.